Okay, praise the Lord. The, it's good to see everybody. Probably talk a little louder than I was expecting. Uh, the, yeah, it's good to see everybody. It's uh, been an interesting year and a half, or, you know. But uh, so anyways, but uh, there's, it's, it's great to be back uh, and to be able to get out a little bit, I think, for everybody. It's way different here than it is in many countries. In Honduras, we're still masked up. If you cannot go into a store without your mask on, most places take your temperature as on the way in. Uh, not every place anymore. The church services are limited in, to a small percentage of occupancy you know, and, and social distancing. You know, so, you know, we have people call up and or write and say, you know, we're, we're, five of us are coming to service, you know, from our family. So it's a little row of five chairs for them, and we get everybody spaced out. Uh, not spaced out, but spaced apart. <laughs> so, you know what I mean. You know, there's enough people old enough here to know what spaced out was. But at any rate, the, uh, so it's, it's not the same everywhere. Uh, when we left Honduras, there's still less than 1% of the country is vaccinated. Uh, just because there aren't that many vaccines available for developing countries. So there's, there's a lot of the world is different all the way around in different places. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, and get started. Go ahead and put up the, yeah, okay, great. Because I didn't, I usually put a blank slide at the front, and I didn't this time, sorry. But when I, when I talked with Bill, when he, Bill picked us up at the airport, uh, and when we came in a few weeks ago, it's my sister's out of state, and, and we're staying at her house, but we needed somebody to pick us up. So he did us a great favor, and I was talking with him a little bit about what the Lord had put on my heart. And I said, I didn't know, I sort of felt like titling it, What in the World is God Doing Anyway? You know, because some, there's a tendency often in, in believers to look at what is happening and, and draw wrong conclusions or think that somehow God has taken a break or, or you know, why, 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 why is this happening? Well, Start out with a little Psalms 115, 1 through 3. You know, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but unto your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. God does what he needs to do to accomplish his purposes. And sometimes, a lot of times, we can't figure that one out. (laughs) At least not at the beginning. You know, so throughout all of history, God's people have often thought that God was inactive or that God had done, you know, in reality, God is relentlessly committed to accomplishing his purpose. A relentless commitment. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't say, well, I'll just let that one go. He is relentlessly committed to accomplishing his purpose in all areas you know, like, we can think a lot of examples, but here's a quick one, you know, Elijah. Well, he did, you know, he had done all these things. There was a drought, he, the prophets of Baal. We know the stories, right? Then after that, he's like, uh, in the wilderness crying, I'm the last one left, you know. What's, you know, there's nobody left to serve the Lord, and I'm the last one, and, and Jezebel wants to kill me, so just let me die here, you know. And uh, in, modern, in modern terminology, you may say, you know, God, you dropped the ball. I did everything for you, and you dropped the ball. You know, you didn't do your part. Well, God reminded him that wasn't true. There was still 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. You know, so there's a lot of times we, we, he couldn't see it. We, couldn't, we can't see everything that God is doing. 
Now, I remember when I was in Bible school, we were taught about the period between the New and Old Testaments. You know, and it was called, they said, you know, it was 400 years of silence when prophet neither wrote nor spoke. That's probably a quote from a book somewhere, actually. Uh, but, but that's the way it's presented to us. And so it was like there was 400 years between Malachi and Matthew that it was just waiting for Jesus to be born. There was nothing else going on. But that's not really true. God wasn't kicked back on some celestial beach with the angels serving him, you know, tropical fruit smoothies or something. You know, you know, I mean, you know, can you, I, I get a little picture in my head, you know, you know Mahalo, you know, sipping on his smoothie. And, and, and uh, no, that's not what God was doing. God was actually working and preparing everything for his purposes. He was doing things that needed to be done. For example, one of the, to me it's a really big example is the Septuagint. Does any, how many people don't know what the Septuagint is? Let me put it that way. The Septuagint is, the word is Latin. It means 70, right? It comes from Latin. It means 70. And it's, according to some traditions, the, the 72 Jewish scholars, some say 70, some say 72 Jewish scholars, 72 because it would be like six for every tribe of Israel. Okay. But they were asked by Ptolemy II, Philadelphus of Egypt. Under Ptolemy II, was the greatest time of, of, of literature and arts and everything and science in Egypt under the Ptolemies. And that he invited these scholars to come and translate the Torah, the first five books, and so it could be put in the great library in Alexandria and that they would have a record of this in Greek. Others say that you know, they translated it in Greek because there were so many Jews scattered throughout the Mediterranean world and they didn't speak Hebrew anymore. And some of them spoke a little bit of Hebrew, you know, and, and uh, we see that now. <laughs> People come from other countries, and they speak Spanish, for example, in the home with their parents, but in school and everywhere on the street, they speak English. And the generation after them doesn't speak hardly any Spanish at all. We just met a guy in Dallas at the, that, uh, the, the building where our son's church uh, meets the current there in the afternoon. They lease it or rent it to another church that meets there in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon. And the guy comes in, you know, and uh, well, I can't remember his last name. Delgado, yeah. He says, you know, I'm, I'm Daniel Delgado. Well, immediately, Mary Lou kicked off speaking in Spanish. You know, I don't speak Spanish, <laughs> you know. I'm third generation Latin American. You know, my grandmother only Spanish. My parents are mixed. Me, English. You know, I know a few words, but that's it. Well, this is what was happening to the Jews around the around the empire. Greek was the lingua franca. They all spoke Greek. But all this began about 250 years or so before Christ. You know, I'm not going to try to get precise about dates. It's not important. Uh, some people think, say that you know, the whole Bible, there's the story, you know, the, whole, the whole scriptures were translated in 70 days and when they, in, in 70 separate rooms. And when they came out, they compared their translation. They were word for word identical. Well, I... I Honestly, I'm not sure that's true, but, but uh, most scholars believe that the Torah was translated first, and over the next century, the rest of the books were also translated into Greek. Well, but in the end, that's not really relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Just trying to give you a little bit of background. It's not just, we want to mention other things, let me put it that way. What was happening was God was preparing his word to be available in common Greek throughout the Roman Empire. 
even before the Roman Empire was the Roman Empire. He was preparing his word to be available in the Greek. You know, it was, it was Alexander the Great who scattered the Greeks, carried them out as accountants and, and, and things because he was so impressed with the Jews when he came through there, as the story goes. But the, they were all over the Mediterranean world. And the Greeks, speaking Jews, by the time that Jesus came, this was scripture. They accepted the Septuagint as scripture. This is something that's interesting because it was like, this is scripture. This is God's word, even though it wasn't in Hebrew. That's an important thing to remember. It doesn't have to be in Hebrew to be God's word. So when the church came, when the God had prepared the whole Mediterranean world with scripture in their native language, and one of the factors in the rapid expansion of the church in the first century, they had the scriptures available to read. They had the scriptures available. And so there's, there's some points to me that kind of stand out. One is the scriptures can be translated into other languages and still be considered God's word. For example, the Quran cannot be translated. It can only be interpreted. And if you want to understand the Quran, you have to learn Arabic because it should be read in Arabic and God should be worshipped in Arabic because God speaks Arabic. So the... The, that's a quick way to say it, right? But the scriptures is a totally different deal. We, they're saying scripture can be translated into another language and still be scripture, still be God's word. That's important for where we are today. Another thing that's interesting is that the majority of quotations from the Old Testament that appear in the New Testament are taken from the Septuagint not from the Hebrew Scriptures. Some are taken from Hebrew Scriptures, but most are taken from the Septuagint. When Paul, did Paul know Hebrew? You better believe it. He was a Pharisee. <laughs> he had that whole thing memorized. It was pretty much a requirement. Yet, when he wrote the epistles, he almost invariably, to the overwhelming majority, he quoted the Septuagint. Why? Because it was what they had in their hands. It was what spoke to their heart. It was the language they grew up with. So Paul understood, yeah, I, I know the whole Hebrew scriptures, but the Greek scriptures are what these people are going to be referring to. This is when he wrote to people, this is what he was doing. Well, another thing is, there's a lot of phrases. They're called Semiticisms, you know, uh, based on Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, a couple of books like Daniel were mostly in Aramaic, not in Hebrew. Uh, but there's also a strong Greek influence in the Septuagint. This is kind of interesting to me because it, it points out something that, that translators have figured out over the years, that literal translations don't always get the idea across. For example, if you look at this, this is a cool one. <laughs> I found this in a, some years back. Yeah, there you go. Everybody's read it already. Well... <laughs> I guess it's bottled water. <laughs> no sugar, no calorie, no flavor. But they mean no sugar, no cal yeah, zero calories, and no artificial flavor, right? And we know what they mean if you look at it for a while, but if you just take it literally, translate literally from the Japanese, uh, it didn't come out right in English. Well, the translators figured out that not everything that could be taken literally straight over into another language. You have to you have to change things. You know, and translators have figured out, for example, in the Amazon jungles, you can't talk about snow. 
you know, you, they don't know what snow is, but they do know what the clouds are white, you know, like snow is white, so they can use clouds in some places, but there's different things that you have to, how do you get the idea across? So the Septuagint laid the foundation for Bible translation. It laid a foundation for, for, for the future and for the expansion of the gospel around the world. Well, so we're talking about what in the world is God doing. I'm just taking an example that started over 2,300 years ago. But sometimes we have to remember God's in the long game. <laughs> you know, he's not doing, trying, he's not trying to, uh, he's not just covering up potholes. He's, he, you know, he's, as we would say in Spanish, you know, he's not just covering up potholes. He is, he is, he's working for, a, for, a, for the, in the long game. He sees the, he sees the end that he wants and he works towards that. Well, in the beginning of 2020, few people could have foreseen what the next months would be like. It seemed like everything was uh, set to a rolling boil. You know, there was all kinds of things, news about the, about the pandemic, how it was spread, what you should do. And then in, in some countries, like here in the United States, soon politics entered in, almost immediately politics entered in, but there was also elections and everything. And you see a multitude of reactions among God's people, interestingly. A lot of the things you saw, there was fear, there was anxiety, uh, doubt, disbelief, a lot of things. You know, pandemic, politics, and everything else seemed to be just have the world upside down. Everything, nothing was like what we thought it was going to be. You know, we had already, for example, made plans. I had three trips, minimum of two, probably three trips to Nicaragua, two trips to, pa to Peru, already planned. But then that was obvious, none of that was going to happen. Peru, where we still work with people online, just a few weeks ago we did their national training course online uh, for their national team as the, as, the, as the group is growing there and, and maturing and they need time for them to run their own stuff. <laughs> Let us get out of there. But at any rate, uh, they, Peru has the highest mortality rate per capita in the Americas. And I read somewhere, I don't know if it's still true, but they, they actually, they were second in the world. They became first highest mortality rate per capita in the entire world. And I talked to the people there and it's like, everyone, oh yeah, two of my neighbors died from COVID. And one of the guys, you know, my father died from COVID, but he wasn't going to live more than a year anyhow. He had cancer, but when he got COVID, that was it. You know, and oh, we both had COVID, one of the married couples. We both had COVID, we didn't have a very serious case. You know, and, and, and it's just every single one of them had been touched in some significant way in Peru. It was just incredible. I, I thought in Honduras, it's not that bad. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's bad. We have, I know pastor, pastor we know his wife died. We know over, over 30 pastors in Nicaragua died from COVID because the country never did any real control efforts. They denied that it existed for quite some time. They're good friends in Nicaragua. And... Uh, so there was, there's, you know, all kinds of things were happening. But we have to think a minute, you know. If God prepared Bible translations over 2,000 years ago, some, some principles, that, you know, was he really unprepared? Did he not know? I mean, you know, did, did God say, whoa, I didn't see that one coming? No, he didn't. I mean, it is literally impossible to surprise God. You know, I'm not a big fan of surprises myself, so I can sort of get the idea, you know, but, the, but some people love surprises, but you can't surprise God. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. He's planned for everything. 
He's, no matter what we see happening in the world, he is still relentlessly committed to pursuing his purposes, to accomplishing his purposes, to seeing his will done. He wants to, his, his mission is to reconcile all things to himself through Jesus Christ, whether in heaven or on earth. Now, just real quick, just to not get that confused with like universal salvation, that's not what he's talking about. The only quick thing I could think of is you can reconcile your checkbook and still be in the red, right? So... <laughs> So, you, you know, reconciliation means that all things are set in their right order, not that all things are, are redeemed or something like that. There's some things that are not. But as we know, if you're, you know, outside of Jesus, and we just talked, to, you know, outside of Jesus, there is no salvation. So, at any rate, get off that. Uh, but God did not say, you know, we, you know, we hear that phrase all the time, I didn't see that one coming. Well, God's never said that. We need to remember, sometimes we forget that God didn't saw it, yet God saw it coming. We forget that God was, is still working. We, we, we get discouraged when we say, wow, all the things I was planning on doing I can't do, you know? And everything's changed. No, oh, what am I going to do now? Well, it's not always easy or apparent what to do now for us. But shouldn't we be trusting, trusting God to do what he pleases? to accomplish his purposes? I think we have to stop it. I mean, you know, I do. Okay, wait a minute. You know, we can get, there's ways, there's ways to still bear fruit no matter what the situation is. You can still bear fruit no matter what the situation is. Situations and circumstances may change what we're doing, but they shouldn't change why we're doing it. They may change how we do things, but not what our goals are, not what our purposes are. So we change strategies, but we don't change our vision of what God has called us to do. Strategies change. You know, we were, fortunately for us in our local church in Honduras, we were already um, doing a pretty rudimentary live streaming of the service, you know, just with an iPhone. But when things started happening, and I was stuck up here in the United States for four months, Mary Lou and I, as some of you probably know, well, okay, we need to get a little bit of video equipment and kick it up a notch, you know, because we have, soon we had some, for during the early part in particular, now that some churches are able to meet together, it's not, but we had a, over a thousand people view our live stream, either live or afterwards. You can count, you can see the views, I mean, the analytics are in there. And you see over, over a thousand people view the li some of the live streams. 700, 800 is real common. And we don't have that many people in our church. We have people from the United States, from Spain, from all over the watching this. And we're, you know, we're thinking we, suddenly we're in places where we can't go in person. Very easy. But, you know, God was taking, <laughs> taking that out to other places. We have people saying, uh, with Mary and I do the, the, the prayer time for unreached people groups. So people are saying, you know, what, you know, how can we do that? Well, you know, it's not hard. You have to mainly just all the work of looking up all the information on a people group, making sure you've got the right information, current information, the right pictures, that it's not somebody else, you know, and, and that it's actual pictures. Uh, some people groups, they're all dressed up for tourists, all the pictures. So that's not what they actually look like, <laughs> you know. So it's, it's hard to find something. And in some people groups, you can't find women only men and children. In some people groups, you can only find women and children and no men in the pictures. It's, it's interesting. It has to do with their culture and the way they view uh, being having their picture taken, you know, a lot of it, or their culture or their religion. 
but we should be trusting God to do what he has purposed. Now, so there's, there's some, some good news here. Honestly, it's really good news. You know, t- ten years ago or so, uh, we were given data, you know, that of the, all the languages, around 7,300 and a few languages in the world, that only 450 roughly had, had the entire Bible translated into their language. And all kind, it was sort of a guilt trip. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't think those help. <laughs> but but uh, the, the, you know, this is, you know, we got to do better. Well, the, here's the current statistics, as current as I could find, on Wycliffe UK's website uh, from September of 2020. Here's some good news. Now, remember, we're t- talking about the Septuagint where this started, translating the Bible. The full Bible has been translated into 704 languages. Now, that's about one in one-tenth of the languages, but not one-tenth of the people. Uh, it's not up here, but one in five people still do not have the, in the, on the earth, still do not have the scriptures in their native language. That means four out of five people do have the, some, some portion of scriptures in their native language. All the big languages already have translations. Some of the smaller languages, a lot of the languages that are left have less than a thousand speakers. So, anyways, let's keep going. The New Testament has been translated into an additional 1,551 languages. This is adding up, people. There are Bible portions or stories in another 1,160 languages. So that means at least some portions of the Bible have been translated into 3,415 languages. And there's 2,731 languages in 167 countries that have begun active translation or preparatory work. They don't have anything translated yet, but they're already working on it. Uh, If you add those up, that's a lot of languages, you know. So it's over 6,000. So we've got, don't you think that's good news? I mean, to me, that's good news. It's like from one translation of the Hebrew scriptures 2,300 years ago, the acceleration, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, the acceleration of translation of the scriptures has just been astounding. God is doing, I mean, he's on, he's, <laughs> there are people saying, you know, we've got to get this stuff translated. Uh, unfortunately, for example, some of the Bible societies um, held copyright on their translations that they paid for, and there are actually or warehouses with Bibles translated into a language, say, in Africa that the people can't afford to buy, and if they could, they couldn't read them. You know? And so there's a group of people that are committed to producing free translations with no copyrights. And these, this, they're saying, you know, this, it's not the way to get the word out. And people who are in, in barely literate or oral tradition societies, they need them recorded. Because even if they te- you teach them to read, they're going to understand it better if they hear it because it's been their tradition for centuries to carry on history through oral traditions. And so, they, you know, you don't have to read. You can certainly listen. And, but there, there are sort of people working in translations around the world. That's just one small aspect. Remember, God is relentlessly committed to accomplishing his purpose. You know, it's, he's, he's on the job, honestly. We can see sometimes we don't realize that God is, how much God is doing. We can't see the hand of the Ancient of Days all the time working, but he is. 
He's working at all times. He's working. Sometimes it doesn't look for our benefit or our favor, but he is working for our favor. He may, he, he's, working, he's working all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He is working to reach unreached people groups. God will be praised. God will be worshipped in every language that there is in this world. I, I mean, you know, there's, I mentioned you know, that about God speaking Arabic, but some people say, oh, does God's, what language does God speak? All of them. <laughs> All of them. If you, if you speak more than one, one language, who was in China? Okay. So, yeah, Ni Hao. Yeah, Ni Haudi, if you're from Oklahoma. But anyways, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, there are ways to say things that sometimes one language just does it better, you know. And we switch off, Mary Lou and I will switch off sometimes and switch into Spanish because we can explain it better in Spanish. The words have just the nuances, make a difference. God will be praised and worshipped in every nuance of every language that he's created on this earth. We need to remember that it was his idea to, <laughs> for the nations. That wasn't some, oh, radical punishment. These people, they tried to build a tower. I'm going to punish them by separate. No. God had, his purpose was that they would fill the earth and they weren't doing it. So, create the nations. And, <coughs> pardon me, the 70 nations that were listed in the Bible, in the Hebrew tradition, those became, those 70 groups became thousands of groups as they separated out over the landscape. Languages and cultures change. Languages are parts of other groups um, like, you know, the, the Indo-European group, the Germanic group, and all this kind of stuff have groups of languages in English, you know, as part of the Indo-European Germanic group. But we have this big old influence from, from French because of William the Conqueror, you know. So uh, there's, there's the language groups are all mixed up. They're all, as time gone, has gone on, people get separated out. The languages change. Remember, we had a friend uh, who was guy from Finland with Youth with a Mission. And he was down in Honduras. He lived in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which I guess is a Finnish city. So uh, <laughs> as far as I can, lots of Finnish. But he, he was talking about when he was a child in Finland, that if you would cross the mountain to the village on the other side, you couldn't understand them. Their local dialects were different enough that you had a hard time understanding another Finn who spoke the same language. Could you mute me for a second? I need to cough. Okay, that's good. Just had a little tickle there that I couldn't get rid of. I'm not, I'm not sick. So, so, anyways, you know. There was a time I saw a little joke I thought was funny when the, that they said, uh, uh, yeah, I, I forgot to bring my, like a halls or something when I usually bring one in Right before, right before, thanks. Right before I get up, because, <laughs> because you know, like I like to call it halls is like a candy with instructions, you know. <laughs> and so on the bag, you know, how to how to do this, how to take it. But um, the the uh <laughs> so this, you know, so you know, used to, there was a time when somebody sneezed, you said bless you, you know. And, but then during the pandemic, somebody sneezed, are you trying to kill me? You know, it's like, let's get away. Anyways. <clears throat> Well, as believers, we need to remember 
that what God is doing is not always apparent to us. He doesn't have to ask if we think it's wise, you know. You guys okay with this? You know, no. According to the verse we read at the beginning, he does what he pleases. He doesn't. Some some translations, uh, thanks, more on the, you know, he does what delights him, you know. And uh, so at any rate, I mean, not like a cat. Cats do what they please too, but that's different. They, they don't have a long plan, you know. <laughs> Sorry, that just occurred to me. I think, you know. Uh, but the, the, the God does what he pleases because he can see the outcome, has already seen the outcome long before we see anything. Now, what God is doing is not always apparent. Why God is doing something is rarely apparent, at least until after it's over. Often, God calls us to trust and be obedient long before he shows us why. And, and, and so, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's rarely apparent. Uh, but we do need to keep our focus on the bigger picture. We need to remember that God is working around the world. He hasn't dropped the ball he knew the pandemic would, what, about the pandemic, and he knew about politics. He knew about everything. And our country will have elections this year in Honduras. And who knows what that's going to be like, <laughs> because the last one was a little bit turbulent. And uh, so there, there was, you know, we don't know. But on the other hand, we do know that God still has everything under control. I remember there's a, there a guy in Honduras, and he's a nice guy. And, and I've worked with him, you know, and he's, he's, I've often, when there's been times when we were together and I'd ask him to pray because he's, he's pretty, pretty, uh, uh, how can I say, I don't want to say, he's emphatic, you know, he, he, and so he can get everybody praying. And one of the things he says, though, we're going to ask that God take control, you know, and I'm like, I wasn't aware he ever lost control, honestly. Sometimes it looks like he lost control, but God has never lost control of anything. Uh, you know, we need to remember that everything we see, everything that's in this world that we see was made of things that are unseen. God, out of nothing, made everything we see. And uh, if he needs to make something else, he didn't run out. You know, there's more where that came from. That's something I often remind myself if you're looking like how are we going to get this done is there you know because we have to fiddle with funds like everybody else church everybody has to but we need to also remember at the same time how we're not going to be responsible but we also need to remember there's more where that came from if god there's more where that came from god can always provide and that's no excuse for being uh derrochador uh yeah Anyways, you know what I mean, for, for just, yeah, spending unwisely, but it is, we need to remember that it, God is also, his hand is in everything. So we're focusing on the bigger p picture. So we need to remember we don't need a certain political party. Uh, we don't know, like in Honduras, there's one way left party that would like to make Honduras like Venezuela, and I don't know what advantage that would be for the people. People that we have friends in Venezuela, they're having a very hard time. Very hard time. They, there's, they can't buy food. They can't travel. They can't do anything. They don't have good internet connections, so they have a hard time doing 
Zoom meetings, yet they haven't stopped. They haven't quit. They're just saying, this is difficult, but we're still going to do it. You know, we're still going to do it, even though it's difficult. Difficult is not the problem. The problem would be stopping. You know? <clears throat> so we don't need certain tax laws. You know, for example, I remember many years ago, a mission, uh, a denominational mission, I was talking with some people, and they said, oh, we're thinking, we're projecting a drop. This is like 1980. We're projecting a drop in our, in our annual income if the new tax laws get passed. Why would you? Well, they won't be able to claim the same amount of credit, so we think people are going to give less. I see. So you think people give for the tax credit? Yeah, that's the main reason people give, and they're projecting a drop off. And I think, man, that's not. If that's the reason people are given, you know, that's not. That to me, that's just wrong. <laughs> because we give because God gave. We're generous because God is generous. You know, God has called us to be live a generous life, and He's blessed us, and we should bless others. And that's you know. That's not, we don't give because in, in some kind of, many countries, you don't get a tax break if you give to the church, you know? So it's just, you give because God says, wants us to give. We don't need a certain economy. Certainly don't need an easy life in order to be fruitful for God's kingdom. You don't need everything just be just so, so you can bear fruit. Because if that were so, if any of those things were so, the gospel would not be advancing in much of the world. Much of the world, things are more difficult than here. The pandemic has been more difficult, but just things in life in general is more difficult. You have to work harder just to survive, but you can still bear fruit for the kingdom. Believers everywhere can bear fruit for the kingdom. And as I've gotten older, maybe you haven't noticed, but I've gotten older, and uh, you know, it, it, if you, I've figured out that or decided, or however you want to say it, uh, the, the, I, I decide what I'm going to do because I can still, I think I mentioned part of this before, you know, I can still do things with all my might. I just have less might than I did 10 or 15 years ago, you know. So you, you, decide, you decide what, you know, like, like Brother Jim, you said you're going to turn 91, right? But so you, you still, you, have, you, 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 do, you serve the Lord with all your strength. You have less strength than you used to have. It takes long to recover. But how do you choose? Okay, well, I'm not young, so I, I've, I've learned over the years to if something looks to me like it's not going to bear fruit, I'm like, eh, let the young guys try that one. <laughs> they have time to waste. They have energy to waste. You know, no. I, 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 I look down the road a little bit. I'm like, eh, this is not going to end well. So, you know, I want to try to work in things. Not, I'm not always right, but I mean, I want to try to focus on things that will bear fruit. So... But we can always bear fruit for God, no matter what the circumstances are. So we shouldn't let the... How long? You said I could go to 12.30, right? Oh, no. <laughs> that just elicited a grin there. Okay. Uh, we shouldn't let the visible circumstances of this world be indicators of whether God is working or not. We think, oh my, you know... How can that happen? Well, unfortunately, and some things are really sad. You know, you see floods and earthquakes and famines and all kinds of stuff. I don't know, somewhere in the Bible it said those were signs of the end. <laughs> uh, but the end won't come until this gospel has been preached in the whole world for a witness. That's when the end will come. 
All these other things are just, oops, look up. It's getting closer and closer. And we have the information we need. We know who the unreached are. We know where they live. We know what language they speak. We have an idea of how easy or difficult it might be to reach them. I told Marie I was thinking of trying to bring another a little chart of uh, that Ralph Winter presented in 1974 at the Lusanne Conference of the unreached world, and it's a and the one that they did in 2018, which is way different. Same people, right? Way different because then in 1974, China had this huge frontier people group, totally people with no known movement, and now it's way small. And there are other parts of the world that are comparatively more people with no known gospel movement. So, like, they're, like you know, you got in Afghanistan, you hear all about the Taliban and everything, but nobody hears about the Hazara people. And has anybody ever heard of the Hazara people? You know what? They're Shiite Muslims, not Sunni. Yeah, there's one. Yes, they're, they're Shiite Muslims, not Sunni. And they get persecuted by the Sunni majority. Some years they, they, they claim to be descendants of the uh, Mongolian, Genghis Khan, those invaders, and a lot of them have Asian features. And, but they're, they're Shiite Muslims. The Sunni majority persecutes them to the degree that, from what I read, uh, 100 years ago, they were more than 25% of the Afghan population. And now they're like, I think, 5 or 6% of the Afghan population. So many have fled to Iran, where it's a majority Shiites. And they're, you know, it's just, it's, but the Hazara people have no known Christian work among them. So there's, there are still frontier people groups. God is working. No matter what is happening in this world, God is working to reach every people. His name will be glorified in every language group, in every nation. He will be made famous, and the way that happens is that his people go there. <laughs> he has invited us to participate with him in his mission and what he's doing. So we, shan't, we shouldn't allow the temporal things to cause division among the people of God either. We can't let let things, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, you know, we don't live here, so, but uh, I've seen in Honduras some things too, but like Bill was talking about when we were coming back from the airport, about, you know, there's churches that are basically split over issues of politics, over issues of the pandemic, and over, well, we can't, we can't let God's people be split over what it really is, tiny things, compared to the big things, uh, and we can't let the temporal things come between us. The big picture is that God is working to redeem for himself a people from among every people on earth. And he will be glorified in the praises of every language that exists. I don't know what that's going to sound like. John caught a glimpse, you know. There was people from every tongue, tribe, nation. And they were all praising the Lord. You know, and I get emotional about this. When I think that, when it, to me, when it talks about that the, that the redeemed will sing a new song, we're singing a song that the angels can't sing because they haven't been redeemed. The redeemed can sing something that no other group in heaven can sing. We can sing. 
we can sing of the glories of his grace toward each of us in thousands of languages, all praising the Lord. Wow. Let's be encouraged. God is doing what needs to be done to reach every people on this earth. Actually, the pandemic has opened doors in some areas. It's also created, for example, there were people who said, oh, you can't do a mobilization course, a uh, virtual course. And so we're like, you're going to make a bet. And, and you, know, <laughs> you know, and so, okay, how much do we have to change? Now, we went at it the other way. How much can we keep the same and only change the things we have to change because it's virtual? And then suddenly, we have people in little towns where we it'd be uh, fiscally impossible <laughs> to go with a team to give a course where there's only one or two people that want to take the course in a little town of four or five hundred people. You know, one girl's <laughs> one girl. I've been to this town too, uh, San Juan de Pane, and it's a it's a it's a Lenca town. Lenca is a people group in Honduras, right? And the it's a Lenca town, and and uh, she's a doctor. And, and uh, uh, a Baptist doctor, we love her anyway. But anyways, the, the, you know, but she's, she's a doctor. And, she, and I said to her, I said, I've been to San Juan de Pane. Are you going to have the internet connection to do this course? Because we're going to be honest with people that are signing up, right? And, and she, she says, if I have to, I'll climb a tree. <laughs> she says, I want to take this course. So that's, that's a kind of common phrase. In, in small towns, sometimes the people know where they can get the best reception because a lot of people are watching it on, doing it on their cell phone or on a tablet or something, use their cell phone for a data connection. You know, yeah, I'll, cl I'll find a tree if I have to. Well, she never did, but she find a tree, but she did the whole course. You know, and, and, and I asked, once I, when she came on, I said, that's a nice house you got in that tree, you know. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you got to. But, uh, you know, like I said, I've been there in some of the high parts of the town. You can actually see the lights of Siguatepeque, you know, it's, it's of the closest city. And, and uh, you get to see Guacatepeque hang a right on a dirt road and go for two hours to get there. It is 22 kilometers. <laughs> it's a two-hour drive. Not a very good road. And, and uh, so anyways, you know, for those of you who can't think in, in, in kilometers, that's about 13 miles, okay? Um, so anyways, the, it's a two-hour drive. Well, God is working. We need to be re willing to work with him no matter what the circumstances are. He constantly invites us to join him on mission. Constantly invites us to join him on mission. It has been his purpose. You know, from Abraham, there was an invitation to join him on mission. And through your descendants, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. That's another good thing in the Septuagint. They translated that pantatayetne in the old, in Genesis, that, and when the third time God spoke to, to Abraham, and that's the phrase they use in the New Testament for all the nations, like in Matthew 28. Same Greek phrase. Said because people, people knew what it, <laughs> what, it, what it said in the Old Testament about all the nations. He invited Abraham, he invites us to be part of his mission on this earth to reach all people. So we need to, let's just, and let's keep our focus on the things above not on things of the earth. Let's remember that God is always working. Let's join together 
whether we're socially distanced or not, we can still join together and work together. You know, we don't, there's, 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 uh, we need to remember that God is looking at a bigger picture. God is working a long game. We can't always see what he's doing. We can't always understand why he's doing it. Usually can't. And, and like I said, at least until after it's done, oh, now I get it, you know. <laughs> and so they were a little slow on the uptake sometimes. But, but the, and then we need to remember that God is in constantly inviting us to be on mission with him. Are we ready to, to redeem the time, redeem the kairos, redeem the opportunities we have to be part of his mission, to be, to be a blessing to someone else, to be, to be able to share with someone else, to be able to, to be God's representative. You know, do we live like walking ambassadors? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, you know. Uh, it's just something that we need to constantly remember. We need to think that, you know, we are always, how can I say this? We should always be available to God to be part of what he's doing. But here I am, Lord. Just sort of the way I try to live. This is, you know, when Jesus said, where I am, you know, there will my, my servants be where I am. I'm thinking, well, if I see where Jesus is doing something, I should want to be there, actually. <laughs> because maybe nobody else sees that that's Jesus doing something. I should be there. At any rate, well, before I close here, I just want to say one last time, or once again, no, I don't want to forget, we want to thank all of you at TCF and the whole church and all. There's, there's, uh, we know at always there's people who remember us, people who pray for us, there's, there's people who communicate with us. All those things are important for all of us who are missionaries, and all of us who are working in other parts. Those things are important. And maybe you don't realize how important it is when you're doing it, but we want to thank you all for doing that. And that some of you communicate with us, some of you communicate with other missionaries, that's great. Everybody has someone they feel closer to. That's good. That's good. You know, so thank you. Well, let's just have a brief word of prayer. And Lord, we thank you for we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're working in this world, Lord. You're working to accomplish your purposes. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've spoken to us. We, sometimes we don't understand what you're doing. We don't get it, but we should always remember that we can trust you, that you are working to accomplish your purposes. Lord, help us to see all of the opportunities you give each one of us, different opportunities, to participate with you, to join hands with you and be part of your mission in reaching this world and blessing others. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.